0: For one of my classes in high school, we had to, to read Homer's Odyssey. So it was written in like the 8th century before Christ. And basically it tells the story of Odysseus, it's the name, the Odyssey, who's in the Trojan War. And he's basically his Odyssey, his journey to get back home to his wife, to his family, to his kingdom. And as he's going back home, he's got all these different adventures. Maybe you read it, maybe you had to read it for school. And so he's got all these different kind of heroic tasks that he has to do. And the one I remember from, uh, from school was, at one point, they get shipwrecked on this island. He's got his, he's got his crew with him, and uh, they get captured and imprisoned by a cyclops. So the cyclops takes them and puts him in his cave, and he's got his sheep in the cave that sometimes he lets out, but he doesn't let his prisoners out. So eventually, though, they get some sharp spear, and they're able to poke out the cyclops' eye, but they're still not able to get out because the cyclops just kind of sits in the doorway. So then they decide what they're going to do is they skin the sheep and they put the sheep wool over them. And so when they crawl out of the cave, a cyclops, blindly touching them, realize, oh, that's just the sheep going out to pasture. They dip the, ditch the wool and then go on their merry way. I mean, 10th grade, that was the coolest story ever. Just loved it. And so you think about these, this great story of adventure, right? This heroic deeds that somebody like Odysseus does, or even like that's, put as the pedestal. This is what it means to be a great person, is to do these incredible heroic deeds. But about the same time that Homer is writing his Odyssey, the book of Proverbs is being written, where we just got our first reading. And what we hear in the book of Proverbs is something very different than these incredible actions is the ideal, these heroic deeds is what we really should be shooting for. What do we just hear in the book of Proverbs? About the worthy wife who plies her hands at the spindle or puts her hands to the dish half. Now, by giving us this reading, the church isn't saying the ideal woman is the 8th century BC woman. Right? It's not saying that's what we're going for, to be the pioneer woman, but it's the, the line that says, working with loving hands. That there's these everyday tasks that whether it was a wife, in the 8th century BC, or one now, or a husband, you know, doesn't just have to be the woman, that has these everyday tasks that they have to do. Whether it's changing a diaper, or whether it's paying a bill, or whether it's correcting a child, that each in one of these seemingly menial tasks, right, the everyday tasks, not the heroic deeds, but it's in these everyday tasks, these small actions that we can do with great love, that that is where a hero lives. Not now doing tremendous deeds, but actually just the everyday tasks. Because this sometimes lives in a a man's heart. Because sometimes you talk to a guy and he'll say, I'll do anything for my wife. I would die for my wife. I would jump in front of a car for my wife. And sometimes the the follow-up question is like, that's great. Would you hand her the remote and let her choose what TV show you're going to watch in the evening? But it's those little actions, right, that heroism is found, right, those everyday actions that the Lord asks us to live in, and that comes in the the gospel reading, maybe a familiar gospel reading, where this master goes on a journey, it's a story, a parable that Jesus tells, the master goes on a journey and he starts dishing out his talents, which a talent is a weight of, of money, and so he gives five talents to one person, to a servant, two to another, and one to the other. And at the end of it, when the, the two come back and they've, they've gone out, they've, uh, they've made some trades and things have grown, we get this, this same response. You were faithful in small matters. Like they were faithful in the little things they were asked to do. And so they will be given great responsibilities. And you think about the one who, who wasn't faithful in the small matters, right? The one who was given the single talent. And what he does is he, he's fearful. He's worried that he's going to lose it. And so he takes what he's given to it and he digs a hole like a dog with a bone and drops it in there so nobody can take it, nobody can harm it. But it's out of fear that he does this. The other two are risk takers. They're able to take what's been given to them. And as they begin to make trades, something could have happened where they come back to the master and are like, You know what? I made a bad deal. I actually don't have anything. Or I lost half of what's, what you gave me. And of course, the point of this story is not like to be a good investment baker or make sure you make the right trades on E-Trade or something like that. The point of this is what we've been given. More important than the gold or the silver or the money or the amount in our bank account is the life of Jesus that the Lord has been given to us. The grace that he's, the life of faith that he's been given to us. And so the point of this parable is not to... It's to not hold on to what's been given to us. Not to hold on to our faith as something that absolutely needs to be protected, but something that needs to be shared. That a risk needs to be taken, to share it, to allow it to grow, so that faith may grow. And it's interesting to even think of this as as the lead-up, what we hear before Thanksgiving week. So maybe that means around the Thanksgiving table, the conversation we need to initiate, the conversation we need to start is... One that's risky is one that we actually allow our faith to have a bit of a risk and to maybe grow, not just to hold it. Maybe that means starting a conversation of what have you been thankful for to the Lord this year? Or what has God been doing in your life? Or how could you be grateful? What do you need to be grateful for the Lord this year to actually take Thanksgiving seriously and thanking God for all that he's done and have those conversations around a dinner table? About what the Lord has done, not just to protect our own faith. And as we look at this story, as we look at this parable that our Lord tells, my hero in this story is the middle person. And it's not just because I'm the middle child of three boys, but it's because the middle person is given two talents. And he doesn't immediately look at the one who's been given five talents and say, How come they got like so much more than me? They got over twice as much as me. Why is that, Master? He doesn't complain that he's been given too little, but he just takes what he's been given and does his best with it. And in our lives of faith, sometimes we can look at maybe the one who's given five talents is like Mother Teresa. She's been given all this. She does all of these incredible things. Wow, that's awesome. And maybe we haven't been given that much, but we've been given something. We've been given something by God, and so to imitate the middle guy, who's been given maybe a little bit less, but he's still generous with it. He's still risky with it. He still cherishes what he's been given, and he goes out and tries to multiply it. And so he's a great example of not one who says, Ugh, I haven't been given that. That's for the guy, you know, the risk taker's for the guy who has a whole lot, not for me. But no, he's incredibly generous with what the Lord has been given him. And he's faithful in those small matters, and this reality of being faithful in small matters and being generous and receiving the Master's joy struck home for me on Tuesday night. It's a different story for a different day, but I, I got to have dinner with a married couple in Dayton, and they're probably in their late 50s, and this couple in Dayton, they have five children, and they're, they're all now out of the house. And there's nothing remarkable about this couple. They're faithful people. They love the Lord very much, and they're very peaceful and joyful people. But when they I asked them, "Well, what are your five children up to?" Their oldest son is currently in the seminary preparing to be a priest. Their second son spent 3 years as a college campus minister at a, a university in Boston. Now he's working as a computer scientist. Their third child was trained as a teacher. She decided to be a missionary in Honduras to teach English to children in Honduras. Their fourth child just entered a convent in Louisiana, and their fifth child is in her freshman year in college. And you look at, their fidelity is blossomed, is growing in their children, and the generous things to just simply give their children to the world for its salvation and generosity. And of course, not every family is called to send their children all over the place to serve the kingdom of God. But what an example it is that when they're faithful in these small matters, when they're joyful, when they're generous, their kids pick up on it. And they too wanna be generous with the faith that the Lord has given them. And so we never know what the Lord is gonna do with our own generosity. All that we do know is he has given us a lot, whether it's five talents or two talents. And he doesn't ask us to do incredible deeds like Odysseus going all over the Mediterranean Sea or Mother Teresa serving the poor all over the world. But he does invite us to be faithful in small matters, in the everyday life of our homes, of our families, of our communities. And so may we be willing to take risks for our faith. May we be generous with what the Lord has given us, so that at the end of our days, and maybe at the end of each and every day of our life, we hear the good Lord telling us the same thing he told these servants. Come and share your master's joy.